today on Anchored in the Word. Oh, you can talk about God in some circles. You can maybe even talk about your church, but you can't mention Jesus. Try that one. When that name is mentioned, that's when all hell breaks loose. That still proves the point. There's power in that name. And there's a spiritual battle that comes when his name is brought to the forefront. You know why that is? Because when he is preached about, eyes are open. Hearts are sensitized to this reality that there is a hereafter. And there's only one way to salvation, you see, and it's through Christ. When I'm This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Envious of the popularity of the gospel to the Thessalonians, unbelievers stirred up a violent mob to resist God's work. We should expect to encounter opposition when we are serving the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Bill will show us that although opposition will come, God will be faithful to protect His people and His work. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in Acts chapter 17 with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. Keep in mind, you can't do this without preaching Jesus. Satan is doing everything he can to keep you quiet, to keep you not to preach Jesus, and um, trying to get you, okay, you can talk about God, you can talk about religion, talk about being a good person, but do not mention the name of you-know-who. That's what he says. Do not mention that name that is the name above all names. But when he's preached, lo and behold, he's received. And if you're a Christian here today, that happened to you. That happened to you. And it may have happened in, in different ways. People came into your life. Maybe you went to a church service. And, and if we think about it, there were several things that happened, right? You maybe heard the radio. My, my, I was driving down the road. And, and God had been doing other things, but I was looking for my talk radio. And you've heard this before. And I landed on this station, this man preaching. And boy, I didn't know who that guy was. But when he finished, I thought, man, I've never heard church like that before. Well, now I know it was Greg Laurie. He was preaching on 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 K-Way, which is a huge Christian radio. I didn't even know what that was. But God was reeling me in, slowly but surely, and I received Christ. I was a slow learner. And, um, but I want you to see what else has happened, what else has happened on this trip, and what else happens in, in today when Christ is preached. And you would think, you know, logically, think logically for a moment. And this is where, you know, this idea of Christianity and Jesus kind of goes beyond this because, you know, think about it, especially when you get older and in your life, there's not a whole lot, let's say, time left. You think, well, isn't it kind of important that you think about your eternity and, and get that part of your life figured out, you know, taken care of? And, um, but, you know, and just receive Jesus into your life. I mean, receive Christ. He's died for your sins. It's not, you don't have to do anything other than to believe in him. You think, why wouldn't everybody want that? 
Why wouldn't everybody want to live forever in the, in the presence of Almighty God and, and, and not be in the other place that the Bible talks about where there's gnashing of teeth and, and, and eternal fires? I mean, why would you want to end up there? And there's only one way, the Bible says, and that's Jesus. Why wouldn't they want that? Remember, an old, an old man, I went to the hospital with another old man, and I'm his age now, and, 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 and not the guy that was dying, okay? But he was deaf. I mean, this guy couldn't hear a lick, the guy on the hospital bed, and the other guy's yelling at him. He's yelling the gospel at the guy, and he's, I don't know how old he was. He was probably 50. No, he was, he was in his late 80s, I think. He was in his late 80s. And he's yelling the gospel at this guy, and he will not receive Christ. He's dying on his own dying bed, and he's not receiving Christ. And you're thinking, what's he holding on for? What's he thinking? He's going to like miss out on something in life, you know, or something at this age? No, seriously, it doesn't even make any sense because it goes beyond that. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle. And so not only is Christ received by some, but there is a spiritual battle going on, right? We have an adversary. Look at verse 5. It says, but, this is after the good news, the people that received, but the Jews who were not persuaded, in other words, those who didn't believe, those are the ones that heard for three weeks straight and they were sitting there with crossed arms and, no, no, we're not buying this. We're not buying this Jesus stuff. And it says, they were not persuaded, and not only that, they didn't just stay there and say, okay, no big deal. I'm, let them have their Jesus. I'm not going to have mine. That's fine. I'm fine with that. It doesn't end there because there's a spiritual battle, and Satan's not happy with anyone receiving Jesus. And it says, so they became, it says, becoming envious, in other words, of what somebody else had. Oh, the peace and the joy, eternal life. You know, being envious They took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob. This seems like a lot of work to me, okay? They're going out of, no, doesn't it? They're going out of their way for this. They're going to go employ some evil men in the marketplace and gathering a mob. It says, let's try to do that without social media. They're gathering a mob. They set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Apparently, they were staying with this man named Jason, all right? Paul and and the the missionary team. Verse 6 says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I want to suggest to you somebody said it this way. No, brother, they didn't turn the world upside down. What did they do? They turned the world right side up. That's what Jesus does. He's not turning the world upside down. He's turning it right side up. In other words, that's the way it was meant to be. Reversing the curse. That's who Jesus is. That's what he came to the planet to do, to reverse the curse. And he's make, he makes someone's life. And if you're a Christian, you can say amen to this. You are living now to be the person you've been designed to be. Amen. Now, you're not perfect. There's only one of them. There's only one perfect one. But so they've, they've, now they've got, this, they've got this mob now, and they've gone to Jason's house, and they've, they're looking for the, for the missionaries who, have, they said, turn the world upside down, but we know they're, they're seeking to turn the world right side up. And it says, Jason, he says, has harbored them. 
That's the, that's the crime, okay? He's harbored them. They're staying in his house. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. And it says, saying there is another king, Jesus. Okay, this is what I would want to say to you. Those things, what they're saying is they're breaking the law. That's what they're saying. They're doing something illegal. This is illegal what they're involved in. And I'm going to tell you something. The Satan still uses that same lie today. And it's working on some of you. Some of you, maybe you're working in schools. And you're thinking that you can't say anything about Jesus because you're going to break the law if you do that. For example, well, there's that separation of church and state thing, right? Separation of church and state, separation of church and state. Listen, and I know most of you know this, but we'll just repeat it. That is not in any of our documents, number one. Number two, that was written by Thomas Jefferson, I believe, written to some Baptist church. And the reason that he wrote it was, listen, what that term actually means in context, because this is important. What he was saying in context was separated of church and state was what he was meaning was, and we have to look about why we actually became a nation, because what happened in England is they had now dictated how or what church you were going to go to now. It was going to be the state church. See, the state had a church. They still do. Church of England. They still have it. And then they were going to have, they were going to pay their ministers to go in there and they were going to show you and tell you how you were going to worship now. So the government got in the business. The government got in the business of religion, you could say, if, you, if you're following me on this. And then they were going to dictate, the government was going to dictate how you were going to worship God. Americans said, no, we're not buying that. We're leaving that. We're coming over here, and there won't be any more of that. How can we keep that from happening? We didn't say separation of church and state, but there are things that are written about, our, about the separations. And the idea was... We're never going to let the government tell us how to worship God anymore. But we're doing that by believing, well, by believing in separation of church and state in the sense that the government uses it. Some people use it, meaning that there can be no God in any of the, any of the, in the government at all. We can't talk about God at all. We can't pray to God anymore. That is not what that meant. It's just the opposite of what that meant. The government, you see it, is still dictating that you can't have God. He's telling you how you cannot worship God. You see what I'm saying? It's not in our Constitution. Maybe it needs to be tested, but the point is, is that we are believing things. This is illegal what you're doing. That's a tactic that Satan uses to shut you up. Oh, you can talk about God in some circles. You can maybe even talk about your church, but you can't mention Jesus. Try that one. When that name is mentioned, that's when all hell breaks loose. That still proves the point. There's power in that name. And there's a spiritual battle that comes when his name is brought to the forefront. You know why that is? Because when he is preached about, eyes are opened. Hearts are sensitized to this reality that there is a hereafter. And there's only one way to salvation, you see, and it's through Christ. So Satan knows this. As a Christian, you should know that. Satan knows that as well. And so that's why all hell breaks loose. And that's what we see what's happening here. They come looking for him now, saying they've broken the law. Not necessarily true in this case. He says, he says um, they're saying that Jesus is king. Well, they were saying that. But is that illegal? Even in those days. He wasn't saying he was necessarily the king of the earth. He was saying he was the king of another kingdom. That's what he was saying. Oh, he's king of the universe, too, and they'll all find that out eventually. 
But the point is, he talks about, Paul was speaking about another kingdom. That, and we're, if you're a Christian, you're a resident of that other kingdom. You know, the kingdom that, where there's a king and his name is Jesus, but it's a spiritual kingdom. And, and you, you, you're not automatically born into that kingdom. You're born again into that kingdom. And you come into that kingdom by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, John 1, 12. To as many as received him, to those he gives the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name, his name, Jesus' name. And there's power in that name. But I want to tell you something about the power that's in that name. You can be rejected as a Christian for that name. Some of you are experiencing that in your own families. You're being rejected by your family members. And they may not be voicing it that way, right? But they are. They're rejecting you. But I want you to know something. And this is the truth of the matter. They're really, truly, and this probably won't make you feel much better, but they're rejecting Christ. We're living in a Christ-rejecting world. And, and, and John talks about it. He calls it the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist. Satan is real. He's got a kingdom as well, the kingdom of darkness. And he's going around trying to thwart the plans of God. He's not going to do it. it, it the battles, the war's already been won. But we are in this battle. And it's real. It's for the souls of people. And you are facing hardships in life because of Jesus. Now, I would say to you, it says in Hebrews... You have not, and probably nobody here has, I would venture to say, because we're in America. And not many of you, probably any of you have been, have it says in Hebrews, uh, had bloodshed for the gospel. You've been bloodied for the gospel at this point in time. But the idea is this happened to people. They were killed for their faith. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Because in the rejection of Jesus, there are people, Christians, that get rejected right along with him. Now, I want to read you a promise from Jesus himself. Listen to this. The words of Jesus. This is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, called the Beatitudes. Um, I want to read this to you. He said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Listen to this. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen, there's a promise from Jesus. When you, when people reject him, and that's what they're rejecting, they're rejecting him. When they reject him and you're in the, and you're in the way, you're the messenger or whatever the case is. In Jason's place, he just had him at his house. But, but you're, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be caught up in the fire. He said, There's a special reward for you in heaven. Listen, I don't believe that on the reward seat, there's going to be a reward seat in heaven for Christians. Not heaven and hell. Now, that's going to be a done deal. It's a done deal for a Christian. But there's going to be a Bema seat judgment called. And on that judgment, during that judgment, it says that our works are going to be tried as by fire. Some are going to remain, and then some are going to just go poof and be burned up, right? I would suggest to you when the rewards are given out, There won't be a place, and I'm preaching to myself, okay, folks? I just want you to know that. Maybe it'll hit you too. But there won't be a place, a line that'll say, now, the next reward, 
the next reward is going to be for those who somehow lived the most comfortable Christian life they could make. They, they were saved and they were on earth and look what they had down here and look, what, look how easy it was for them after they, uh, after they came to know me. Now you get the point, right? There's not going to be one of those. I'm just letting you know. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you, you know, that you, you know, you're not going to go to heaven. I'm just saying that there are going to be rewards there and the rewards are going to be for those, it says there, who suffered for Christ. Who those, now, we don't have to choose our suffering. We don't have to choose that. But I'm saying if you are faithful to talk about Christ and, and not so be under the thumb of the, of, the, of the world and of Satan himself and believe the lies that he's telling you, that's illegal. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't say the name of Jesus. A lot of that is just not true. And then when it is at least it's not illegal today. But when it becomes illegal, I mean, we're going to have to get to the place as they did in, in, the, uh, in the scriptures where they told them, don't mention, you know what they said to the guys? Don't mention that name again. They wouldn't say it. Don't mention that name. And they said, well, should we listen to God or to man? You tell us. You tell us. Who do you want me to choose? What would you choose? Because they realize that he, he is greater. And you know, here's the thing, folks. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm realizing this the older I get. I got less time to waste now. And I see myself. I still feel young on the inside. But I look in the mirror. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm not we're, <laughs> just a different person inside and outside, apparently. We're not getting any younger. We're not getting any younger. Do we want to waste the time we have left? How much ever time that is? I mean, come on, one of the joys that I'm going to have is your pastor. So hear this. I want to hear not just me. I don't want to just hear when Bill Beckham's name is called, well done, good and faithful. So I, I want to hear that. Don't get me wrong. But you know what's going to bless me maybe even more than that is when I hear your name called and I hear well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, that's going to be even more so. I mean, those of you that had kids, Think about that. When your kid does something good, doesn't that feel good? So we've got to think that way. Think of the things above, not overly think of the things of the earth. We're living in temporary, these things are temporary. And it says that, let's just finish this up. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. But I want you to see the end result. Verse 9. Out of all this noise and the, 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 the people that were stirred up and the uproar and everything else, and, and Jason got in, you know, and some of the other Christians, but look what happened, verse 9. So when they had taken security, probably they had to pay some bail or something. But when they had taken security from Jason and the rest of the other Christians, they let them go. Listen, nothing's going to happen to you. Not a hair on your head goes unnoticed by God. Nothing is going to happen to you unless the Lord allows it. You're not leaving this planet one day before the Lord says so. You're not staying one day longer. That's just the reality because Jesus Christ is sovereign. But as we end, so we see that in this passage, Christ was revealed, right? Through the preaching there of the word. And, and, and he was, they were talking about who he is. And as a result of that, Christ was received. And as a result of that, Christ was rejected. Now, rejectors, again, they just didn't let it go. Oh, no, we'll say no. No, they, they took it to a step further. And we see that in the world, by the way. We're seeing it in our culture. We're living in a Christ-rejecting culture. 
And we are swimming upstream, folks. But the, the, the good news is that we're, swim, we're swimming by the power of God. So my encouragement to you is they, at the end, they let them go. They let them go. And that's what we got to think of, the end result, the happy ending. There's a happy ending to this thing when it wraps up. There's a happy ending, and we're going to wrap up right now. But what's important as we end this, this is, has Christ been revealed to you? Has Christ Jesus been revealed to you? I'm not just a religious figure. We're talking about the Lamb of God, the one, the, he said this about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, no man comes to the Father but by me. Here's what Jesus meant by that. There's no other religion, there's no other person, there's no other Savior in the world but me. So you're right on cue. When you say narrow-minded, it's a, it's a narrow path. And someone say, well, I can't believe God just made one. You know, I'm just glad he made a way. He didn't have to do that, but he made a way, one way, and it's Jesus. So he's been revealed. But to as many as received him, the second point was Christ was received. Here's what I would say to you. Have you received Jesus into your heart? Not just knowing about him. That's not enough. Not just knowing you know, his name and the things. Oh, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Well, you know, most people in America know that one. I would say you'd have a hard time not finding someone that didn't understand those things, didn't have that information. But John 1.12, again, to as many as received him. What does that mean, receiving him? Well, some people think it means praying a prayer. If I pray this prayer, that's all I have to do, just pray the prayer. Well, it is manifested through a prayer. You're right, there's a prayer involved, because a prayer is basically, you know what a prayer is? It's nothing more than talking to God and and hearing from God. So, So to receive Christ, you would pray because you'd talk to God. You would say something like, Lord, I'm a sinner. The Bible says that I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus is a Savior. I believe that. That's been revealed. And will you come into my life? And will you be my Lord? Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and Savior. So that's a prayer, right? You're asking God. You're, you're, you're talking to God. So that's a, you know, you're asking him to come in. So it would be like a prayer, but you're talking to God. To as many as received him, to those he gives the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name. I want you to know this. It's so important to know this. When you come to Christ Jesus, when you receive him, it's more than just praying a prayer, though. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I, you know, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It's been a long time since I prayed that one. But the point is, you know, it just becomes this rote thing in your head. No, I'm talking to God now. And I'm, I'm asking him, God, will you come into my life? Will you change me? Will you be my Lord and Savior? Listen, there is no, if, if somebody prays an earnest prayer like that to God, he is never going to turn that down, ever. He will never turn that down. Finding community in a church is such an important part of growing in faith. It's hard to do this life alone and especially hard to follow Jesus in a hostile and evil world. Walking in faith is made a little easier when you know you have the support of your church family, people who are walking similar roads with similar flaws. As we've learned from this study in the book of Acts, a church is also a great place to put your God-given gifts into service for the Lord. You can build up your brothers and sisters in Christ in ways unique to you. If you haven't found a church to call home yet, we hope you will look for one today. 
Are you in the Eatontown area? If so, you're invited to come check out the church this program is a part of, Calvary Chapel Coastlands. We meet each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. to seek Jesus in the pages of Scripture and spend time in worship. We'd love to have you join us as we learn more about our Savior. Find out more and get directions by visiting our church website, cccoastlands.org. While you're on our website, you'll be able to access several of Pastor Bill's past messages, connect with us on Facebook, and download our mobile app to take the messages of Anchored in the Word with you on the go. That website again is cccoastlands.org. That's all for today. Join us next time to learn more from Acts, Pastor Bill's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study. We pray that you would continue to be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.